Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to Refresh Rate, our regular check-in here at Scanline Media. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page, and video games are so back. That's what they say. Who? I don't know. They. The name names. That. <laughs> if I name, if I can't, I can't name my sources. You know this. Come on, Six. You we know. do. We do have a lot of video games listed here. Listen, when your sources lie, then. My source is Jen made most part of this list. Well, l- listen, <laughs> there's a difference. There's an important, very key difference here, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You can have, let's think of, talk about it in hockey terms. All right. You can, you can have a, a lot of shots, but very few goals. Just because you're shooting a lot doesn't mean they're all good shots. That is true. And as with that, we decide to talk about the sort of the the recent, the last last you know month and a half here, where we've had a bunch of of game festivals and conferences and and presentations of various sorts, uh, announcing all all the games that are we should be expecting over the next year, updates on ones we already knew about, you know, you know, pretend E three, not E three. I would say rip the E three, but. I mean, it just keeps on going in some way with all these fucking conferences because it used to be just like the big three had their conference. And mm-hmm. I mean, but of course, that just speaks to my age because, like, at a certain point, like, major publishers started just having their own shows alongside, you know, the Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo showcases yeah and Mm -hmm. even alongside that there are indie initiatives like day of the devs where well i guess double fine doesn't really count as an indie these days because they're owned by microsoft and it was produced half by microsoft half by sony but uh they did feature a number of indie games uh at day of the devs as its own unique show Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's also wholesome direct (sighs) yeah there is there is I don't know. I mean, we're going to we're going to get into it and we can have sort of like talks about various things, but it's like it has felt to me more fractured this year. And maybe that's just because I'm paying more attention. Right. It's not like this is the first ever Guerrilla Collective or the first ever Summer Games Fest. But it's like I will be doing something and I'll see, you know, Wario 64 tweet an announcement. And I'll see it's part of a chain. And I'm like, oh, I guess there's a thing going on. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That was how it was for me. I think a lot of that is just in part due to the way that uh, the disappearance of E3 has changed the way this stuff gets out to the press and the people. Like, it used to be you had the big three shows and occasionally some publishers. And then you had a ton of, like, mid-tier to indie games that would appear, like within the show floor and in and in and outside of the E3 complex but uh mm-hmm. since all of it is online like uh there's even a <laughs> there was even another um event that I couldn't fit in here because like it was initially going to happen um at a location and then when the location got shut down due to a fire situation uh, the completionists ended up just hosting them in his studio as they did their thing. And uh, it's been very difficult to actually find the games that were announced there. Um, and I didn't really have the time to get through that as well. Oh, what event was that? 
Um, it was the one that was like, it was supposed to be like a DJ event. I it had some name like that. Let me huh. see. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. And I think we should start off. We can hit the the big three as sort of a temperature check for for the industry, and then go off into the the bunch of other ones. So we'll hit Summer Games Fest and Xbox and PlayStation, and then sort of spiral off into whatever we feel like talking about. Does that sound good? That sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because the very first game they showed uh, at the presentation for once was a killer game. Yeah, I heard people say that. Sure. I oh. just heard Jen say it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, I assume you're just, you're mentioning Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Yeah. Like, it's a very different thing from what I expect from Prince of Persia. Like, even that classic Prince of Persia. It's not really the 3D sort of Santa Time thing, and it's not necessarily the side-scrolling, die-a-lot sort of uh, rotoscoped game. It's something a lot closer to a Metroidvania-style thing, but... Uh, it looks stylish as hell, and it's neat to see them doing something entirely different with that series. I mean, it looked interesting. I mean, I don't know. I when I when I saw that trailer, I was like, "Oh yeah, I also liked Into the Spider Verse uh, stylistically," um, and that just means like the music choices and the way they present the trailer, but. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, we're doing a Prince of Persia thing that isn't that remake. Don't think about that remake. Don't think about the Santa Time remake that's been lost to the Santa Time. Do you hear the thing recently where they were like, we're, we hit a bit of a stumbling block with the Sands of Time remake. It turns out our engine is having trouble with wall running. That's what the game is! <laughs> and it makes it understandable that they're like, okay, we're just starting over. <laughs> we need to start over now. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like, this looks like a pretty, like, you know, combat, like, stylish, combat-heavy 2D, a 2.5D action platformer. Um, I don't know, like, I, I, nothing about it looked, like, bad. I just don't, I feel like I was missing something with the way everyone was reacting to it. It was like, yeah, I mean, sure, this looks fine. I'd pay 15 bucks for this, I guess. Like, why, why is everyone freaking out? I didn't get it. (laughs) I guess that's fair. I mean, like, I I don't know why necessarily people were freaking out either. It was just sort of like, maybe it was just the shock of like, oh, Prince of Persia has been acknowledged uh, since that Sands of Time remake uh, kerfluffle, mm-hmm. ongoing kerfluffle. Yeah, and then people freaked out for a very different reason, but those were mostly racist, so yeah. Sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of uh, Summer Games Fest, we have some some games highlighted to talk about. Not that many, because I think the big story was, I mean, besides the fact that they exclusively put white men on stage, which mm-hmm. uh, smarter people than us have, have gone over what a fucked up thing that is, but we should at least mention it. They only put white pe- white boys on stage. Like there's, there were no no women, no people of color got to see the stage at the Summer Games Fest. And that's pretty mm-hmm. fucked up. Pretty fucked up. Um, but beyond that, you know, I feel like it is it is a a sign of where we're at that very few of these games were announcements. Very oh. few. Oh yeah, like a lot of these have been like because, and I again, this has been mentioned before, but 
game companies just like release information now they just like oh we're working on alan wake 2 or we're working on this game and it's like it used to be okay around summertime this is when you found out like are they working on a new installment of the thing but nowadays it's like oh yeah like the company's facebook page or whatever put out an announcement teaser trailer thing honestly the way they've been announcing games like years before they're coming out has been one of the biggest mistakes the whole industry has made like uh you have xbox's matt booty um a few days ago saying that uh nowadays games take six to eight years to complete and it'll just keep going up and it's like okay if that's the case a that's fucked up b announce the game like at a bare minimum a year before it comes out well like one of the games that we have highlighted is lies of p i swear to god i thought that game was already out right because it was just announced so long ago it's like oh here's this stupid pinocchio inspired like soulsborne game and it's like oh now it is it is coming out and it's like oh i thought that that thing was already out right yeah and as it turns out a, it is still very stupid. B, it's kind of good to play. <laughs> like, they put out a demo alongside it, and uh, you're kind of in for it in terms of the stylistic choices. Like, there's a loading bar at the bottom that is just Pinocchio's nose growing, and it says, now lying instead of now loading. And uh, Oh, that wouldn't have flown on the Xbox 360. I'll tell you what, standards <laughs> practices will have gotten on their ass. But hey, it's a Soulsborne, and it feels pretty good. Like, they kind of nailed the mechanics there. And it's interesting how, like, you see a lot of Bloodborne fans that are upset that it doesn't play exactly like Bloodborne. But uh, I think it's interesting the ways that they handle it. Like, your block button does, doesn't does exactly block you entirely from damage. It just means you take temporary damage, which you get back by attacking the monster. And... uh hmm. So it's a rally system. Kind of like that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I felt I thought that it felt pretty good. And, I mean, I think I, I disagree with Kyrie a little bit uh, as far as, like, the announcements. Because, like, yeah, Liza P is a game that they've been showing over and over, right? But, like, mm. the first time they showed it was at a big event, right? It wasn't, like, it wasn't that, it, you know, it, it was th- it, that the initial announcement was so low-key. It's just That's that... Fair. It's taking them forever to ship games, and so they're just like, well, let's show fucking, like, Remnant 2 again, let's show Alan Wake 2 again, let's show Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2 again, and it's just like, I mean, some of those games, like, there are games here, we have a big list of basically everything that was announced, um... And we've, you know, behind the scenes peak, we've bolded things we want to talk about. There are games here that I'm interested in that I didn't bold because it's like, yeah, I knew I was interested two years ago and you haven't shown me anything since then. You've put out trailers that are like recuts of the same shit over and over. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Like of of the stuff that we've bolded or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, for example, like Sandland, that's like a new now. That's like an announcement ass announcement. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is the adaptation of the Akira Toriyama manga that is, you know, there's a movie coming out this year. I'm assuming that game is coming out this year. I um, bet it's not. But yeah, 
yeah. I like, bet they would like for it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With all these like announcement dates, like I, I always just like tack on an extra six months just for good measure, because it's like every like the the funniest version of that is a game that Capcom talked about, but we'll get <laughs> we'll, yeah, get we'll get into that. We'll get the Capcom in a little bit. Um, <sighs> but you're right. It's like. I don't know. I look at Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. They already announced that, like at a Final Fantasy VII thing earlier. I think last year or earlier this year, and and that's fine. I mean, like you at least remember, they showed some stuff. You know, yeah, at least they showed some stuff. But yeah, <sighs> but yeah. I mean, there wasn't. I didn't feel like there was a whole lot to get excited about. Um, like I don't know. <sighs> I don't know which one of you highlighted Sonic Superstars. That was like, Jen. That was me. Yeah. Like, okay, Sonic. they're making another not full Sonic game that's probably going to be pretty bad. From the sound of folks that actually got hands-on time with it, it sounds like it plays pretty well. Like, uh, there was an initial bug they ran into where sometimes if you ran too fast, you'd get ahead of the camera, but it sounds like they're working on that because it was just a demo build. But, uh, like... Folks who have made the good 2D Sonics, the modern two, good 2D Sonics anyway, like Christian Whitehead, have more or less mentioned that uh, they have worked on this at, in some capacity. And it looks really solid and it's fun to see them once again kind of pulling in some of the side Sonic characters that don't get much attention. Like, uh, I think their name is Fang, the, the cowboy one. Fang, sure. yeah, Fang the Sniper, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, I mean, this is just me and Sonic, right? Me and the Sonic fandom don't agree on this one, but it's like, yeah, okay, I liked those, you know, Genesis ones, right? Mm-hmm. And then they did Sonic Mania, and I was like, hey, it's a callback to the Genesis ones. I'm like, that's cool. We haven't had a game like that in a long time. And now it's like, hey, another callback to the Genesis one. It's like, no, I'm, I'm good, actually. If you have new stuff to show me, okay. But like... We re we basically redid a thirty year old game again. Doesn't do that much for me. Well, they've gone on the record and said that uh, they're going to like Sonic Mania. For a lot, a large part of it was uh, recreating some of the older stages and just expanding them and doing unique things with them. Mm-hmm. This one, they're going with brand new stages. Like they mentioned that uh, they're going into some themes that they haven't tried before. Sure. I mean, what I what I mean is, like, it's not that they're literally remaking it, right? But it's, like... Stylistically, aesthetically... Every, mechanically. Mechanically, yeah. yeah. Like, part of the reason I... Like, if uh, Freedom Planet 2 had been more levels for Freedom Planet 1, I would have been really disappointed. Freedom Planet 2 adds a bunch mechanically, and... They haven't done that with 2D Sonic in a long time because people go to 2D Sonic to detox from how bad their 3D Sonic games are. Which hasn't been like a good one of those in like... Sonic Frontiers was good. It really wasn't. But we've had this conversation on air numerous times. Numerous times. Deranged, it's fine. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyhow. Alan Wake 2 looks fucking amazing. Um... They've kind of talked about it for a few years now, just being like, okay, it's coming. But uh, actually, I think they might have announced it was actually in the works last year, just in terms of like showing some teaser stuff. But uh, Mm. this time you kind of, I got a, 
I actually got enough information from this presentation to figure out what the fuck Alan Wake 2 actually is, and it's it's a fascinating turn for turn for Remedy because Remedy has always kind of st- stuck to pulp influences. Like uh, Alan Wake is very much like a cross between Stephen King and Cl- Clive Barker. You have Max Payne, of course, where it's going for the very traditional noir grizzled uh, detective gone bad. And uh, if you get you've got control, which is playing with a lot of uh, FBI hiding secret aliens and whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, two, they're going for something that's trying to scare you to some degree. Like uh, they still have the pulp mixed in there, but they have you like uh, bouncing between Saga, um, basically a cop that is looking around the area and uh, visiting. Bright Falls, I believe. And uh, you're basically doing a lot of detective work with her and uh, talking with the locals and all that. Meanwhile, Alan Wake 2 is... I mean, meanwhile, Alan Wake himself is uh, stuck in a hellish nightmare New York and uh, is dealing with some straight-up creepy and terrifying horror monsters. And it's neat to see them, like, go... Okay, it's fun doing pulp, but what if we actually tried and made it an actual horror game? Mm-hmm. We'll see how it is mechanically, because even though I've enjoyed a lot of their games, I think, I mean, since Max Payne 1, it's basically always been the case that their games have have some notable mechanical shortcomings, but are still fun and charming. Um, but I, I do have to respect how they've kind of constantly pushed themselves to, like, stay thematically within their trademark, sort of, like vibe and wheelhouse while constantly you know pushing the type of games they're making yeah even like quantum break which had a lot of problems uh it was neat to see them trying something entirely different with like the show slash game combination mm-hmm. yeah there was some there was some definitely like cool stuff in that that game um yeah and i, I like it's it's funny like other again other Alan Wake was a failure, right? Like, not as a thing to play. I think it was a good game. But, like, commercially, it Mm. did bad. Oh, Um, yeah. And the development was a nightmare. Like, it was originally supposed to be an open-world situation where you would be constantly driving around Bright Falls and Cauldron Lake and getting stuff done. But uh, they basically had to cut the open-world elements out completely and and stitch together what was left to make levels for Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. And so what you have here is a game that, like, ev- you know, everybody's hyped for the sequel, and it's, you know, partially because it's earned some cult status in the time since, right? Sure. But it's also just because it's a name that they can bring back, and we're all about bringing back names these days to the point that we've ruined a lot of the other ones. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and I say re, we, I don't take any responsibility for doing this. The royal we. Meaning companies. Companies, yes. Suits are the ones that are like, well, you have this cool horror concept, put Alan Wake in it. It's like, okay. Yeah, Uh, it's just like we've had a a bunch of, uh, you know, we've had how many Resident Evil remakes in, in the last couple of years? You know, we've had 
as Jeff know, Gersman just, famously I, exasperatedly put it, you know, remaking a remake. remake. <laughs> <laughs> and you are excited. What is wrong with you? Capcom is making a new video game, y'all. No, they aren't! <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking up a remake. Uh. <laughs> they remade the game. They're remaking their remake. And you guys are like, fucking yeah. Oh, this is the end of the world, man. What's wrong, Jeff? They're making new Resident Evil. No, no they aren't. aren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've uh, had like, they've had five. I mean, they've had, let's see. They've had three Resident Evil remakes within a five-year time span. And then a bunch of, you know, of course, like, ports of, of older ones that, you know, like, oh, okay, you know, Code Veronica. The Code Veronica's been on, on Xbox for a while, but they've sort of re-promoted a bunch of their older stuff, too. Yeah. I um, guess it's four remakes if you count the VR version of Resident Evil 4, which, like... Which they are doing again. <laughs> <laughs> which it's now Resident Evil 4 Remake VR. Yeah. <laughs> God. Which is also platform locked. Like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have two different versions of Resident Evil 4 that can only be played on specific platforms. Uh-huh. Nightmare. Uh-huh. Nightmare. We live in a nightmare world. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, that that's that's most of my feelings on, on Summer Games Fest. I think the, like, the, my biggest, like, besides uh, Seven Rebirth, where I'm like, okay, it looks like they're doing some things. That's good, because a lot of their uh, interviews posts remake was them being like don't worry we're not gonna change too much please stop being mean to us fans it's like shut the fuck up there's gonna be be music there's gonna be music don't worry don't worry about it yeah there's also gonna be stories don't worry about it (laughs) it seems like they're going for a very similar thing with seven that they did with seven remake where they have changed certain things significantly while also kind of retaining the original structure of the plot. Like, uh, I mean, they could be just lying, lying again, which is fine. I want them to be <laughs> like, I, I want, please I, be lying, please be lying. I do want uh, Nobuo Uematsu's uh, twisted, fucked up vision of remaking Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, they th- they throw in the bit where a you see the party of final fantasy 7 being carried out on stretchers within like the uh, nearby the city and b you have sephiroth going hey you know back then in ebelheim i did kill Aerith. like she was very much dead who is tifa. that Aerith with you tifa. tifa yeah 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 which could easily just be him gaslighting who knows Gaslight. well, you know but it's it's nice showing them showing along with remakes of old stuff some new ideas. That's that's the appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm way more excited for it than I am with Final Fantasy 16. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, you know, moving on. Uh, Xbox. <sighs> Xbox they... turn on. Okay, so PlayStation was before Xbox, and I don't know why we're doing Xbox first. This is my fault, but. They talked some shit beforehand, being like, well, don't worry, all of our stuff is going to be real. You're not going to just get CG trailers from... Shut the fuck up, you liars. You (laughs) liars. Yeah, it's like, one of the... Okay, so even one of the cooler games that showed up, like, South of Midnight, 
and like you have like this thing at the bottom thing uh, that bottom of the screen that says oh yeah rendered in engine it's like that's not that's not the same that's not the same it looks sick like it looks like it is a you are in the it's a in the south, in the bayou, hunting monsters, and it's like that seems all right. And it has this cool limited animation style. I don't know anything about it because you showed me no gameplay, so that's about the extent of I can say about it. Yeah, my main issue with like many of the big uh, presentations that happened this year is that uh, a lot of it just straight up didn't tell you what the game actually was. Like there was no way to discern what. Star Wars Outlaws actually entails. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my my special highlight, my shout out here is Fable, which is a fake trailer for a game that doesn't exist and that you have <laughs> not been making. That has I, a guy from that show that you liked, you know, when you were in high school. <laughs> I just, I just don't believe them. That's... We've been like, lied to before. It's Peter Molyneux. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not him this time. It's not him. It is, but, but it is. You know, his spirit, of, his, his <laughs> ghost lies within. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Molyneux, it's like, yeah, he hasn't been involved in the company for a very, very long time. And yet his, his, that's the thing. His framework exists with all these companies of the Smoke and Mirrors Act. No. The thing is, he believed it. And I don't know if that made it better or worse, right? But he was like, he was like, oh, I'm just doing smoke and mirrors because if I showed you, you wouldn't understand. But this is what's going to happen. And they don't believe it anymore. They know it's bullshit. These days, they show you your fucking, you know, entirely CG trailer for what Fable's going to be and how you're going to platform through a giant's house. And they're like, we're not going to get there. We may never ship this game. (laughs) And it's a shame because, like, remove Peter Molyneux and Lionhead was like, an amazing, innovative uh, studio that, like, tried all sorts of weird, wild shit in their games. Like, Mm -hmm. Black and White and Black and White 2 had this thing where if you were playing the game after midnight and uh, it could pick up on your system name, at at some point it would start quietly whispering your name in the game. And they just thought of all these really unique ideas that Peter Molyneux then blew out to epic proportions. Black and White 2, 1 and 2 were bad games, but there were cool ideas in them. And, you know, if Peter Molyneux was a, was an ideas guy in a studio full of other ideas guys, if it had someone in charge who could kind of steer the ship a little, who knows? So, yeah. one thing I'll mention about this Xbox list, uh, a decent portion of these were also present, like were only revealed during their post-show situation where they were like, uh, the, it was the additional after-party show situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they s- split it up because they had too many games. Too many video games to show you. Yeah, which is a shame because, like, there were multiple games here, like Spirit Swap and El Paso Elsewhere, where they showed a bit more in terms of gameplay than the stuff that got the main stage. Uh, but that's because those games are actually like real and el paso is <laughs> almost out like yeah yeah it's out in a few months uh and looks great and you know it's like i it's i feel like it's tricky like if you aren't going to sit down and watch these things 
The thing that's difficult is knowing after the fact what to check out because the games that are mostly going to be good are going to be the indie projects where you they won't have name recognition, right? You won't see the title and go, oh, I was curious about that because it'll be your first time seeing it. And like the value of these presentations is they bring you in so you can ostensibly watch the latest Forza trailer right? Because you know the name Forza and you're excited for the next Forza, however it turns out. Mm-hmm. And along the way, you get to see a bunch of stuff you would never have looked up yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's why it's why both in trailers and in demos and everywhere else, a big focus on indies lately is, hey, please wishlist us on Steam, because like, not only does it push them up in the Steam rankings, but also there's a good chance you're going to forget everything you saw here. And it's nice to just get a ding from your phone. Like, Oh, Hey, remember that game you thought was cool six months ago? It's out now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wishlist like feature is actually like pretty good for that. Yeah. When, when indie developers say, please wishlist us and please leave a review when you finish it. Like they aren't joking. They need both those things. Because, again, we live in a hell world. But, yes. Yeah, like, there was a few really interesting indies that I saw here, like El Paso. El Paso Elsewhere, as mentioned, is very much like classic Max Payne mixed with a underworld situation. Like, uh, I think the developer described it as, like, what if Max Payne was just the nightmare scenarios? And uh, that's kind of an appealing idea, as long as the platforming isn't exactly the same. <laughs> And, and I mean, uh, it's a it's a game that has been pretty well advertised till now, right? It isn't a huge surprise, mm-hmm. but it's still it's it's cool that it got some some time on the main stage to show yeah. its thing. Yeah, and there's also Lamplighters League, which is like harebrained schemes. The same folks who did like the Shadowrun trilogy of uh, computer games that came out within the past uh, ten to fifteen years, as long as that really good BattleTech game. This is them taking those strategic chops and like applying it to, once again, an on-the-ground sort of situation. But uh, it, it's basically a pulp adventure sort of story going on. So you basically put together your team of uh, secret society lamplighters to go on adventures. And it looks real neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stray Gods, the role-playing musical, is something I'm very torn on because... I really love the idea of games branching out and being like, hey, we should make more musicals because musicals rock. But uh, there are at least one or two voice actors in there that I'm not a huge fan of. Like, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? The guy that, that, that's in everything. You're going to have to be slow. <laughs> are you talking? Hold on. Are you talking about like Nolan North? No. Oh. I think Death Stranding. Troy Breaker? Yeah. Troy Baker and uh, Laura Bailey, and I'm kind of like mixed on them to some degree, but uh, it is written. It is written by folks who like made the good Bioware games, so I'm interested. I increasingly don't know what ones those were. I feel like you look back on them, and I think the writing is like every time you look back at that writing, it's worse than you remember. I guess that is fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some of them that just don't hold up very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a different company that wrote KOTOR 2, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, I still like KOTOR 2. 
KOTOR 2 is not immune to this. You go back and you're like, hmm, mm. some <laughs> of the stuff does not work. Yeah. Not just because it's buggy still. <laughs> Everyone makes the joke about the old lady who joins you is like, but what if a chi- what if a dying child needed to say a racial slur? Would you let him do it then? <laughs> There's actually zero difference between good things and bad things. You Thanks, eat. Kraya. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, there were two indies that made the stage that I actually really dug. Um, one of them was Jusant, um, which is a new game from uh, Don't Nod. The folks who made Life is Strange and uh, Remember Me and all that. Except this one is focused on, like, the physical act of climbing a massive uh, precipice situation. Like a massive cliff that has a bunch of uh, folks living in and around it. It's another one that had a demo out. And just the way that you, like, use the left and right triggers to alternate your left and right hand as you basically climb and position your hands... And find the best time to, like, throw in it a baton so that uh, you can keep yourself safe. It's a, it's a really fascinating game to play, and I'm eager to see more of it. Yeah, I, I have been resistant to checking it out because I've disliked every other thing they've made. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a very, very different thing from everything right. they've made. Mm-hmm. Right. So. <laughs> they also made Remember Me. Which no one remembers except me. <laughs> I know no, that I think you'll find in your circles there are plenty of people who remember it. Just how they remember it is the part that varies. Yeah. <laughs> and there was also Still Wakes the Deep, which is a new game from the Chinese room. They haven't really released anything in a while, but like, again, this is a really fascinating take on a on horror. Basically, um, you're on a 1970s uh, Scottish. Uh, oil well situation out in a tempestuous storm and uh you spend a decent portion of that original part of the first part of the game actually doing your job and then you kind of just watch as everything goes to shit very quickly and uh yeah from everything i've seen and seen of it and read of it it looks fascinating uh also they're doing more persona stuff Persona 5 spinoff. Go ahead. Another yes. Persona 5 spinoff. I gotta talk about Persona 3 real quick because I'm the Persona 3 liker. And it's... What? You always bear these... You have these big titles, Kyrie, where yeah. you're like, I'm the only one around here who likes fighting games. Stop <laughs> bogarting everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's like... God. Why is there no Fepsi? Why is there no, like they're just i don't know it just looks like it, the moment they that trailer like leaked and then the the producers basically saying oh yeah all the like really interesting stuff from later releases we're not gonna touch and it's like well great there goes all my interest <laughs> uh, but don't you see if they hold it back now they can sell another version uh, another full-priced version like three years after the fact do you know Stupid. the other uh, game that the director of the Persona 3 remake shipped? What? Well, two games, I suppose. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. You better believe there's going to be another version within a year. Oh, yeah. You better. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, here's the version with all the DLC of all the things that you like. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> cool, man. Like, like 
it's just it's is frustrating that like even in this like world of like remakes or whatever they can't even like put out a version of the game that is like some sort of like definitive version right yeah it's it's like there is a creative tendency that i understand that certain teams have and that i often agree with right where you're like i'm making a new thing fans are going to tell me they want this thing i'm going to teach them what they actually want not listen to what they tell me right that doesn't work with remakes just doesn't yeah and also like they're take like in they're adjusting certain core like system like system level stuff for p3 reload and it's like well there goes like a lot of its identity at that point mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing making money yeah that is true it is very funny I'm... that right alongside that they had metaphor refantasio just to be like hey great news you know the guy everyone blamed persona's problems on he's making a new game and he has some ideas about what's wrong with japan these days it's... and it's like oh god <laughs> I, I I thought that trailer looked all right, but then it's like, oh, okay. And, and P5 Tactica was just so like, oh, they're doing an XCOM thing. And it's like, I don't know who pointed it out, but it was like, oh, this is very clearly an idea that they had that was just sort of like, okay, put P5 on here so we could ship it. Yeah, and there's... I like I like some of the Persona spinoff stuff they've done, but it's mm-hmm. all felt very much like like not just like anime filler like anime filler movies right mm-hmm. oh yeah where you're just like okay none of this is gonna matter for anything else that you do and also you're inventing these like characters that are it's not just you're inventing a new character who is gonna get dropped after this game you're also being like and this is what an outsider thinks this story is about and it's like god all right and- and you also have that situation with a lot of these spinoffs where you're not getting the characters post their particular game. You're getting mm-hmm. them at like the ideal fan favorite time where basically all of their character development is rolled back to a certain point so that you can get characters trading classic lines. Yeah. They don't they don't even bother to do like even the P like the PQ two thing where it's like, okay, by making it a crossover, you already are primed for none of this shit, like, necessarily mattering. But the thing that you like is just seeing these characters interact with each other. Like, in the P5 Tactica trailer, there was, like, someone with, like, you know, an older-style hat. It was like, oh, fuck, is that, like, Raido Kuzunoha? It's like, what if Raido showed up, right? That'd be alright. That'd be stupid. But sure, why not? But they're not even going that far. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool, guys. There's a really hard divide in Atlas's work as far as, like, this is the point where our stuff started getting really popular and we can't reference anything from before. It's like, I don't know. That's You, that, you that's, could teach people to like your old things and then they'd sell, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, they remake are the putting Rido, out... <laughs> remake the Raido Kuzunoha games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are putting out their old Persona games, but only to a certain point, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had PlayStation. PlayStation. Uh, before we, before we do that, just want to mention with Forza, A, thank God it has a release date and it's finally fucking coming out this year. B, the all the RPG stuff where you get gain XP for doing turns, that's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of a thing I want to talk a little bit more 
about with the with the Ubisoft thing, but yeah, okay. yeah. driving games are in a bad way. Um, PlayStation had a few interesting actual announcements, um, like you know, foam stars. <laughs> hey, I, what if Splatoon was foam? What if Splatoon was? It, I I thought it was kind of interesting because it's like, oh, the foam itself can actually change the shape of like the like it changes the shape of the arena, mm-hmm. and you can create like ramps and elevations and things like that. And it's like, eh, okay, that seems interesting. I certainly like Splatoon. I don't mind necessarily someone else taking a stab at this idea of, like, what if we recontextualized, like, a shooter where the goal isn't necessarily headshots, right? I think that's, like, cool. Um, But, again, until they have, like, a big... Until they have, like, a beta that I can participate in, I, I just feel like I can't really say much about it. Well, and it's also just, like, looking at it, it's, like, the most generic, like korean free-to-play shooter design that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in me mm-hmm. listen yeah, like, i had my time with s4 league that game was great back in the day but uh you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah um honestly there were two big standouts for me in playstation um one of which was uh phantom blade zero uh yeah the specific way that they have the sword play playing out in what appears to be a gameplay trailer, since they spend a decent amount of time running around and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It has a specific speed and ferocity to it that you only see in like actual action films. I've never seen anything move with that kind of speed in a video game before. Well, it's uh, it's based off of like Chinese action movies, right? To a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Is that the and one Japanese. Think- yeah. 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 It's sort of doing a bit of both. I think there are points in which it, it evokes like Sekiro, but Sekiro is very like I I don't I don't sort of don't know what to make of it because I also thought it looked cool, but there are times when you're doing stuff in that trailer where it's like fighting while standing on top of like a moving cart against someone with another cart where the animation seems so specific to the situation that it feels like, like, I mean, is this basically a quick time event? Like, how does this, how does this actually play here? It looked really cool, but it looks, it does look cool. And I am interested in what they'll do with it because it is tapping into like a a ferocity that is not often seen in these types of games. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that really impressed me, even though it was just straight up a CG trailer, <laughs> was Marathon. Like, Bungie knows how to make something that looks incredibly striking. And that whole situation of the person just melting into that ooze and uh, just the way they frame all of that action, it looks fucking phenomenal. But uh, but they didn't show game. Yeah, that's the part. I need to see how it plays and also, like... Some old school gamers are rightfully a little bit annoyed that they are using the name Marathon for a extraction shooter mm. rather than a single player campaign because Bungie has not made a single player campaign since Halo Reach. Well, technically, I mean, the Destiny campaigns are single player. There was one, wasn't there one in Halo Infinite as well? 
They didn't well, that, make that. They didn't make that. You're right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's been forever since Bungie made a game that you could simply play offline by yourself from beginning to end. That's a, an unfortunate amount of video games. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, like, as someone pointed out, it's been enough years that the team that made those Halo games probably no longer exists, and the we're basically dealing with the live service uh, Bungie now. And Destiny is a situation where I've fallen off it many times, and at this point I'm just burned out completely by it. But uh, Marathon moving it, in, moving it into a different genre of sorts has me excited to check it out again, because, like... Even though I fell off Destiny 2, like, very few people make shooting feel as good as Bungie does. Yeah, I think the the talent of Destiny is to have that shooting feel that good and still make you feel bad about it because they mishandle everything around it so much. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I'll be curious about Marathon. I don't have a lot of optimism myself, but also, that's sort of my role around here. <laughs> Um, they had nothing to show, but the existence of Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater uh, made me sit up a bit straighter, I think. Yeah, that is, that has, I mean, the rumor for the longest time was like a one remake, and mm -hmm. I don't think people were, I think people were caught a little off guard of a three remake, but like, the thing about the three remake that they talked about is like, oh yeah, we're getting the original voice cast back. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. okay, what, Jen? You, you, okay, now Jen's the cynical one. No, I'm just saying there's an asterisk around the way that they're talking about the voice actors to the point where it sounds like they might just be using the original recordings. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I was kind of prepared for there to be a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake at some point because, uh, they went out and made that pachinko machine and at some point along the lines like a year or two after that machine was released, people started talking about a free remake. But, Jed, uh, do you know how long ago that Pachinko machine came out? No. I I would advise you to look up how long it's been since that Pachinko machine came out. Okay, let's see. MGS3 Pachinko machine. 2016. Okay. It's been a while. And it's also like... I, I think the fact that, you know, it's a remake, so, you know, asterisk on this statement, but the fact that Konami is putting out an actually new game is as shocking as anything. They bit, like, they violently got out of the business. They were, like, you know, you know, shooting, like, they were shooting their employees like they were, like, you know, horses with broken legs. It was fucked up what they did to get out of video games and now they're like what if we made some more oh, it's like really oh yeah like they're they for a while was just like again with the pachinko machines was like oh yeah the future is here in the fact that japan legalized gambling at some point um so yeah that's been uh, a whole like thing but now now it's like okay now they're actually making video games again I guess. To some degree, yes. To a certain degree, yes. Yeah. Um, they are letting someone else make video games. That is the key. Like, you look at the way si they're doing the Silent Hill various games, and they are letting other people do Silent Hill. 
Mm-hmm. Konami's various business models in the modern sense are like finding people who want to make games and saying, hey, you can make this one. Fucking Bloober team making <laughs> Silent Hill 2. That's We're proud to announce the team behind list. Snake Eater. <laughs> it's Bloober team oh. again. <laughs> God damn it. It takes place in an asylum. Okay, You're going to cool, love... Cool. How how like how how our our unique perspective on mental illness? I think we're really going to open a lot of people's eyes. Big boss, his mental illness was legendary. <laughs> uh, Revenant Hill is also on here just because, like, hey, it's cool to see the folks who made night the folks who made night in the woods making a new thing, and uh, yeah. the cat's pretty cute. Sure, sure. I. I have cooled a fair bit on Night in the Woods. I think it's all right. There are parts of it that I like. I I think there are, like, the the thing I realized is that I had, at the time, a lot of appreciation for Night in the Woods, when I think, really, there are a few bits I'm very fond of, and the rest of it I didn't really care very much, but... Mm-hmm. But, you know, make another game. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Dogma 2 is happening. Yep. <laughs> no into free. Not yet. It, th- it fucking rocks that they're making a new one. I think there were two things that, that stood out to me with Dragon's Dogma 2. Two things, even. Two for the second game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game only had one concern, yeah. you see. Uh, goblins, mostly. And how ill they like fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so first, this is, I guess, not a concern. It's just sort of a, a moment of, of, of praise for it. We got the classic, like, oh, and for our sequel, the map is X times bigger. Mm-hmm. But the number they gave us, I believe, was four. It's four times bigger. Yeah, like um, a reasonable size. Very reasonable. And and Dragon's Dogma already wasn't a huge map. But I'm just so used to, like, and for, for GTA Five, it's 20 times. It's like, just please control your scope. So shout outs to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, this is probably nothing, but there was a weird bit of phrasing around them talking about their use of AI. Yeah, and it was just, it was, it's probably just them saying, "Hey, the the goblins will more even ill like fire than ever or some shit, right?" Yeah. But like the phrasing was such, and we're in a current atmosphere where I just like, please don't, please don't tell me you're using AI to build art assets. Yeah, the the thing is, I'm pretty sure they were just using it in the normal game intelligence way. And also, like, they can't say during a press conference as a company, we're doing AI and not the bullshit kind of AI. This is real AI we're talking about here. Right, but also in a press conference these days, it would totally be a thing you would say to impress shareholders of, and we're outsourcing to AI, we're, we're using AI. Don't worry, investors. We're not paying for for outsourced stu- art houses. We're just having a robot build it. Uh huh. Yeah, we're like using Chat GPT or whatever to like build mm-hmm. our conversation system. And I think what they mean by AI as well is like maybe like you have um, programs like SpeedTree that use like mm. AI to fill in trees in the environment. Or the way, like, obviously this is an extreme case, but, like, No Man's Sky used, Mm -hmm. like, or it used an algorithm, but algorithm AI, roughly the same thing. But you know what I mean. I do. To build, you know, billions and billions of planets. Or however. Yeah, I 
I don't suspect there's actually a problem. It's just something I would like to see followed up and be reassured on in our current in our current atmosphere. In our current atmosphere is rough. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay, I guess that's fair. Uh, but I think that's all I had had from PlayStation. We want to move on to ubiquitous software. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do it. Well, as as it says in the name, they're everywhere. Um, I don't know. I think the, I think there wasn't a lot that I cared about here. It's almost entirely projects they've already announced, mm-hmm. right? I think Star Wars Outlaws is is the new thing, but I don't know. They didn't show us enough for me to really say much. Again, CG uh, trailer, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was delighted to see that Skull and Bones is still, like, doing the most elaborate, like, sleight-of-hand magic show to keep from showing you the game. <laughs> <laughs> they really um, are. They really are pirates. They just keep stealing time. <laughs> <laughs> they they have to reassure the people that they made a government contract with for that game that that game is still coming out. So... Did you hear the latest? No. What's the latest? From like a couple of days ago, like less than a week ago, you had it like internal stuff being like the beta, the closed beta is now PC only instead of console because they got a bunch of people on a discord to be like, hey, here's the closed beta for console. And the people touched it and were like, this is too boring. We're not playing anymore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Like, it's so funny that they're still, like, trekking forward with this one in a world where, like, I don't know, earlier in the Microsoft presentation, like, I wasn't necessarily excited by it, but, like, Sea of Thieves has, like, a new expansion. And that thing is still doing well. And that seems, like, fun. That seems like you get to be a, have a Jolly Roger of a time, you know? Yeah. The only shame with Sea of Thieves is that you need a active uh, friend group that's playing it to get the most out of it. And, uh... It's not the easiest game to onboard new people onto, but, like, uh, it's really cool that they're doing Monkey Island stuff now, because I love Monkey Island, and it's great to hear Guybrush's, uh, like, Guybrush, the Guybrush actor's voice coming out of a unique-looking model for him. thing I'm worried about is if I ever log back on to Sea of Thieves, I'm still gonna be in the brig because of you motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, and just, like, Skull and Bones, like, what was even... The pitch was, like... The pitch was just, like, oh, you're a pirate, right? Like, it, I mean, the pitch was people loved the pirate part of Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. We will make it into a whole game. How many Assassin's Creed games have they put out since then? Three? More than Four? that. Way more than that. Like, they had an entire trilogy of uh, open-world Assassin's Creed games. Like open world RPG, oh, right? There was Syndicate, yeah. Unity, Odyssey. It was Origins, Odyssey, Origins, and Valhalla. That Origins, were the... Odyssey, Valhalla. Yeah. Um, okay, so <clears throat> since four has come out, they have put out Rogue, Unity, Syndicate, Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla. That is six mainline entries. Not even talking about you know like the Chronicles games and Assassin's Creed Identity and Arno's Chronicles and Rebellion and all the other spinoff shit they've done. Yeah, and they also have uh, Mirage coming out later this year, right? Yeah, uh, coming out, I'm sure, before Skull and Bones will. I'm Um, I'm pretty excited for Mirage, because I mostly feel like the RPG elements they added to Assassin's Creed were a mistake. Um, mm Kind of sucks to be in a situation where a stealth kill doesn't immediately kill 
um, most of the enemies like it used to, but uh, they've really gone out of their way to be like, don't worry, we're we're bringing back the classic Assassin's Creed. You can even put a filter on the camera to make it look the same color of blue that most the first Assassin's Creed was. I don't know. For me, it was like I, I played Assassin's Creed and then I played Assassin's Creed 2. And yes, I did play 3 and 4 and I played some Odyssey. But like after 2, it was like, okay, I think you did the idea. You did it. Oh, we're still going. <laughs> and they've been still going for over 10 years at this point. I'm someone who can, like, still get down with some Assassin's Creed. Like, uh, I was surprised by how much I liked Valhalla after I didn't really click with Origins and Odyssey. But, like, they went out of their way to write quests in a way that felt closer to something that, like, CT Project Red did with The Witcher in terms of just, like having interesting investigations and choices that don't play out the way you would normally expect. But, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm interested to see what this is. Fair enough. I didn't get a lot out of, uh, out of Valhalla myself. Um, in the couple of hours I put in, I was pretty bored, but yeah. Um, also want to shout out another like decline of modern games. Uh, the crew motor fest, Oh, <laughs> which is just like I get that they're chasing, you know, Forza Horizon with this, right? And that seems like a natural thing to do. Forza Horizon's been very successful. But Forza Horizon's dead to me too. They like I think I had some fun with the previous Forza Horizon ones, not the latest one, and that's a large, in large part because Gran Turismo 7 reminded me that it should feel good to drive a car and nothing should get in the way of that. And all modern racing games care about is getting in the way of that as much as possible. It's like, oh, you drove for like two seconds, here's this roulette wheel. We'll give you some kudos. <laughs> You also have the way that, like, Forza Horizon over the years cannibalized every other arcade racing game so that it has to be everything at once. You have the car collection stuff, the kudos system from Project Gotham Racing, which, like, I, I do like kudos when it's used properly. Those Project Gotham Racing games kicked ass. And uh, now they've even started putting arcade rally games in the... Um, they did an arcade rally expansion to 5 because arcade rally games practically don't exist anymore. <laughs> even Dirt yeah. isn't much of a rally game as it used to be. Even though they put out a game called Dirt Rally 2. Yeah. That one's like the realistic rally racing, though. I'm talking about the Sega Rally Evo, that kind of thing. Sure. Fair enough. Um, yeah. It's it's a bummer to me, like, the whole, the whole art trajectory of... Mod like... I want to say that the game, the cars in Gran Turismo 7 feel better than they do in Forza Horizon. I don't know if that's true, because it's hard for me to tell when I'm getting a new car every 30 seconds. None of them mean anything. Um, but even on top of that, just being like, don't chase Forza Horizon, I don't think this is the model. Uh, the crew has been a mess for its two entries so far, right? Mm-hmm. But it started out with at least the interesting premise of, like, we're just going to, we're going to strange reel with cars, right? Like, welcome to this parallel reality Iowa with these weird billboards for guitar shops every five miles. Like, 
there was something fascinating in that original premise, and now it is abandoned all the the only things that made it stand out, which were mostly not very good, but at least were interesting ideas for chasing for the horizon. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't look great. Um, hopefully they'll prove us wrong, but I'm not holding my breath. Mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, I think when we get to the, the, the like quote-unquote smaller presentations, that's where we actually start to have some nice things to say. Um, starting, of course, with the presentation that immediately followed the Summer Games Fest, Day of the Devs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, they showed some really interesting things here. And uh, I think one of the biggest surprises was Hellskate, at least for me, because uh, essentially you have one of the designers behind the first Tony Hawk's Underground deciding, hey, what if I make a skateboarding game that plays kind of like that, but also like added this weird sort of demonic combat to it. The the part where it's also a roguelike, I'm kind of eh on, but uh, I'll wait and see how it plays. But uh, the trailer is the closest I've seen an indie game get to capturing that Tony Hawk magic so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. considering that we're the team that made that excellent Tony Hawk 1 and 2 game that came out like a year or two ago. Um, just d- d- doesn't exist anymore. They're in the Call of Duty mines now. So, yeah, we need the indies to kind of, like, pick up the slack if we want to have skateboarding games again. <laughs> yeah, I, I have figured out finally, like, I've, I've given enough college tries. I think I just don't care about skateboarding. And that's, you know, that's fine. People enjoy it. Um, I think my, like, indies will fix it moment was with Beastie Ball, Beast- actually. Or is it Bestie Ball? It's, I'm pretty sure it's Beastie. But uh, there was a moment, so they're they're doing like this, okay, basically it's like Pokemon playing volleyball, right? Uh-huh. It's like, okay, sure, whatever, whatever you want to do with that, that's fine. Um, it looked okay. And then there was a moment where their presentation where they're like, we don't want you to catch them all. We want you to have some and then form connections with the ones you have. And I'm like, oh, this is the other thing I've been waiting on Pokemon to say for like 30 years. Also... Also, I saw them, like, tweet out that one of the things they're working on is, like, a built-in Nuzlocke mode. And it's like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm in for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's designed by the same folks who did, like, Chicory. And I've actually been playing that recently, and it's a really fun take on the whole Zelda top-down formula. Yeah, I think think that, you know, it's it's a team with some some proven talent. And a fun idea, and just as as we say, like addressing things that we want to see from other bigger franchises that aren't happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Got a quorum on like the beasties and beastie ball. Nothing is impossible, but probably not. Listen, Indies can do a lot of things. One of the things mm-hmm. they do have difficulty with is hiring the world's best character designers. That is true. And that's not a dunk. It's just like, man, Pokemon Company does spend a lot of money hiring some amazing artists. They really that's just do. What they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually got a chance to play some of uh, Viewfinder before this podcast, too. And uh, um, it is a really neat take on uh, 
sort of perspective shifting first person puzzle games. Like, uh, you do have a camera where you can take a photo and once you hold the photo up to a specific environment area, it just copies that photo over like a platform you can walk onto. But, uh, one thing I kind of learned through the demo is it's not just photos you can do that with. You can do that with, uh, sketches. You can do that with, uh, paintings. You could even do it with like little crayon drawings that people have made. So it has a mishmash of different artistic styles going on that, uh, you're running through in a short span of time. And, uh, it's just a really neat thing to play. Like, uh, I'm not super hot on the voice acting or the writing, at least from what I played on the demo, but, uh, I can overlook that kind of thing if I'm presented with an interesting puzzle game. Yeah, the, the, I haven't played the demo, but the presentation they did on it was just, I think, one of those ones that caught a lot of people's attention of just like, oh, this is really cool. Mm. This is a really, like, smart, intuitive, but still, like, inventive puzzle mechanic that just seems like it's going to be really fun. Yeah, the last time, like, a big game, or I guess it was, like, a indie game of some kind, like, did you ever play Super Liminal? I didn't. I always was intimidated. Yeah, like, it seems like it is taking some of the ideas that were present in Superliminal, but, like, the messing with perspective to make things happen is just so cool, and is like, I'll take I'll take shit like that over, like, I don't know, ray tracing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that is a magic trick that'll work on me every single time. Yeah, and it's super, it's super friendly about uh, experimenting and allowing you to mess up because uh there's a handy rewind button you can hit if uh a important object drops or you just want to play something a little bit differently uh, any other stuff we wanted to hit from day of the devs um i really liked cocoon uh, that specific uh trailer yeah i that saw they that showed. movie when i was a kid <laughs> No, that's no. You're forgetting. That's the city from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. Just the way that you're jumping into various worlds using uh, these little spheres, and you can use the presence of one world on another to solve little puzzles or fight bosses. It's a, it's a gorgeous looking game, and it's just like Viewfinder. It's finding a novel way to handle perspective and puzzles. Yeah, seemed creepy. Yeah, it had a little bit of creepy energy to it, for is sure. Is it creepy or is it wet? What? It actually seemed kind of dry. Like, it's the art style is such that you don't get wetness from it. It's that very, like, flat-shaded kind of look. So I'm sticking with creepy. <laughs> I guess the one other thing I'd like to hit on within Day of the Devs is uh, Salt Sea Chronicles looks like it could really be something special. It's uh, it's basically taking a Star Trek-like idea of you commanding a crew and going on adventures, but applying it to something closer to a nautical theme. And uh, it's made by... I. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Uh, Die Gute Fabric, Fabric, I'd say. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the folks who made Sports Friends and also uh, oh, that one monster game that Abnormal Mapping played fairly recently and uh, seemed to like. Mutazion? Yes, that's it. So yeah, it's interesting to see them like approach a Star Trek style story. Yeah, I I was kind of mixed on, I don't know, looking, I liked the idea more than, than what they've shown of it so far, but, you know, there's definitely potential. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like, I don't know, I I feel like there are a lot of times with indie games where they have ideas where I don't think it's like, it's it's it is a reason for me maybe not to check out the game. It's not a reason for me to be like, mean about it but it's like your idea is cooler than you have the resources to flesh out you know <laughs> yeah uh it seemed like a very like for the concept of like you're on this like strange like strange sea with all these weird like ports and stuff and these this whole cast of characters and then like as far as the actual scope of the story it seemed really zoomed in in a way that seemed like it's like ah oh, okay i understand but I'd like to do more than that. Yeah, for sure. Moving on, we had the Capcom presentation, which I think there there are a few things here to talk about. For the most part, I think the biggest thing to talk about is kind of represented by Pragmata, a game they still haven't actually shown us, and this time they apologized for how they weren't going to show us anything. Again. And they were delaying it. In the funny... Um, in, like, I mean, funny cosmologically speaking, where, like... You have the little girl who's, like, sketching something while violence is happening around her. She is picked up, and the little, like, sheet of paper floats down, and it had 2022 crossed out, and then it had 2023 crossed out, and then 2024 question mark, or something like that. With a little sorry at the bottom. With a little sorry at the bottom. I thought it was really cute. (laughs) Well, and this is it, right? Is it's, it's, like... We're having lots of delays happening, right? Uh-huh. We're having lots of stuff that we're seeing for the 20th time because they can't ship it. But, like, Capcom has just been doing banger after banger and has been, like, pretty, like, respectful in monetization and support of their games. So they do this and everyone, like, laughs and claps, Right. That's the thing is Capcom is in a place where they can put out this trailer and everyone thinks it's in good fun. Yeah, they're in a really solid place in so many degrees. Like they're one of the few publishers in 2023 that can put out a PC game that uh, isn't fundamentally broken because of some shader bullshit. And uh, they just seem to have a lock on their technology and the kind of games they want to make. And uh it's really it's really refreshing to see at least someone thriving in this environment. Yeah, but mm-hmm. also like with Pragmata, it's like when was that thing even announced? Wasn't that like I, I could have sworn that was like at a trailer for a PS5 launch reveal thing. Or am I am I Enti- misremembering? Entirely possible. I do not know. I I just like I don't know. Pragmata definitely feels like it's one of those things that since they announced, we don't, you know, we for we don't live in that, you know, environment anymore where like there are games that are announced and just never come out. You know, um, there was an element of that. Um, with uh, remember Deep Down? Yeah, but that was like 
Wasn't that like two console generations ago? No, that was PS4. Okay, one generation ago. But like nowadays, it's like, oh, we revealed it. We got to show something. Um, I don't know. I, it's It was a weird thing to just be like, oh, sorry, we're delaying it again when I don't even know what the game is. That's the one kind of funny part about all this is that uh, they have been completely silent about what to expect from it other than occasionally showing bits of like an armored soldier carrying a little girl around. It seems like the most people have is people just randomly saying, I bet it's like Death Stranding. (laughs) Which is like, I bet it's not. I bet it's not. (laughs) Oh, futuristic looking visuals must be Death Stranding. I mean, I get it, right? Like you see like... Even some of the imagery, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to send you this this image from I one of the, I think, one of the first trailers, which is, like, your girl and some astronaut on the moon looking at the Earth. And you're like, sure. Sure. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... But... Yeah. You know, I, 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 like, honestly, I would not be surprised if... I think by now they probably know... I'm almost certain when they announced this in 2020, they had no idea what this game was. 2020. Jeez Louise. I mean, that's only three years. That's It feels feels like a long time, right? And it's not not a long time. But with how long games take to make these days, that's not that crazy. Well, yeah, but then also it was probably exasperated because of the pandemic. You know, like if they announced it in 2020, that, that means like development was still going on and then you know the pandemic hit and i think we're still like in the after effects of just like how it fucked so like how it fucks and continues to fuck like so many things over you know uh skull and bones on the other hand was announced in 2017 (laughs) (laughs) there is a game that's never gonna happen that's just embarrassing at this point (laughs) no, I'm just wait. Byers just stole shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, almost all those people don't. Austin work. Walker was still at Giant Bomb back then. <laughs> God, God. Uh, um, <laughs> six years. Okay, no. In development for ten years. They started development in 2013. They still haven't figured out how to make it fun. God. Anyway, anyway. Anyway. Enough enough dunking, I guess. Um Yeah, then like Capcom also showed off there were some other things that they had shown off that we talked about in other segments, like Dragon's Dogma 2 and Exoprimal. Did we talk about Exoprimal? Uh, we didn't, actually. We didn't, actually. Yeah. That's another game that just shows how unique of a position Capcom is in right now because Somehow I am excited for that game, despite <laughs> live service. Uh... Jen out here with, like, wide-eyed, bushy tail, just like, wow! <laughs> Everything looks great. I mean, listen, like, it, I, I, kind of, I kind of am with her, right? Like, I don't know if I'm excited, mm. but you say, like, we've okay, we've got a third-person co-op shooter live service game. I'm gone. You say Capcom's making it, there are dinosaurs. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. They call it, what did they call the giant tyrannosaurus? Like, Neosaurus? Yeah, Neosaurus. <laughs> yeah, that shit rocks. <laughs> and at some point, they were mentioning a Neosaurus storm because that's the other thing. This game just has storms of dinosaurs that approach, <laughs> which yeah. doesn't 
doesn't make any sense, but sure. It's almost as if they're having a dinosaur crisis of some kind. <laughs> some kind of sore crisis. Yeah. The, the protagonist does have red hair too, so clearly someone at the art department was like, "We gotta, we gotta pay our it dues." Feels, it feels like someone at Capcom was like, "You know, you're not allowed to make Dino Crisis," and then the team that was working on was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, sure, boss. Uh, it's uh, uh, uh," and they just like look around the room, find like a FedEx like copier and like a few other things. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's a it's a Exo Primal, but yeah. It looks dumb as hell, but it looks like it is going to be fun to play. And also, it's going to be on Game Pass, so I can just download it, and uh, I don't have to worry about spending $70 on it. That does help. That does help. Mm -hmm. uh, you were excited about them taking a gotcha game and making it playable, right? Less, less excited and just more like, I, I'd much rather, like, it is certainly a more graceful thing to do than just like taking the game completely off i don't know i i it's not like i'm excited to play it but i do appreciate them like doing the work to be like okay we're just done with this game so we make this like executable that you can just mess with you know mm -hmm. and it's like there are a lot of like there were just we live in an era of like everything being so ephemeral and just like you know they took Rumbleverse offline, they took, like, you know, all these companies take all these, like, online games, like, just completely offline and wipe the slate, right? And I would appreciate it if more companies, even if they're done with a project, even if it's like, okay, this we're not making a return on it or something, at least making a packaged thing and just being like, okay, this is a released thing that you can mess with, sure, I like appreciate it from that aspect and i wish more companies would do that mm -hmm. and i mean it is finally a chance without touching a fucking gotcha game to uh to see their uh like Mega Man x and zero dante and virgil in action yeah it is a pretty <laughs> cool design yeah you'll be able to play his role like multiple versions of role and other women in the series too and that's that's cool I bet they won't be underpowered or anything. Yeah, I will, I'll bet. The, I'll bet Capcom's gonna be super cool about it. You know, actually, this would be the one time they actually would make them powerful because if you put a girl in your gotcha game and don't make them powerful, you're out of your mind. Because like, you're not gonna sell like horny dresses for the guys. You got to make someone powerful so you can sell outfits for them, and you're gonna sell outfits for the girls. This is I've played enough gotcha games. This is how this works. This is just how it works. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's like, oh, here's here's Iris, but swimsuit edition, you know. <laughs> yeah, and if Mega Man X Dive doesn't really scratch your itch, like, good news, in a few months, 30XX is coming out of early access, and uh, that is a beefy fan take on Mega Man X. Like, uh, not only does it have uh, the same thing 20XX did with um, basically procedurally generated levels and stuff like that, but... Uh, this one also features an option where you can just play through a campaign they made, and it has a full-blown level editor. So you basically got Mega Man Maker going on here. Also, here's Swimsuit Iris from that gotcha game. Told you it existed. <laughs> 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 right, it exists. 
I knew nothing about this game except the Devil May Cry crossover. And it was just like, oh yeah, there's Swimsuit Iris. Sure. Oh shit. What? They did uh they did fucking hunt, like uh Monster Hunter crossover. Here's Zyogre Iris. That's dope. <laughs> that is so fucking cool. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, maybe I have to actually yeah. check this game out. <laughs> I mean, I do like I I do quite like taking a Monster Hunter or uh, taking a gotcha game and turning it into like, hey, we're done with this. Here is the like non-shitty version of it. I wish a lot more gotcha games did that. Yeah, and that's part of the reason, like I said, why I highlighted it was so that hey, more more companies should do that because, you know, and I'm sure they're not like, you know, Capcom, I have no illusions of them doing this necessarily out of the kindness of their heart, but I'll bet the team that worked on that game appreciates that their work is still out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... I guess the one shame, well, one of the bigger shames out of uh, modern Capcom is that uh, it does seem like it'll be some time before we get another proper Mega Man again, just because... uh Oh, listen, I, I I have learned to accept this. <laughs> well, specifically in this case, the person who spearheaded Mega Man 11 was, like, the only person in the office who was like, okay, people do want to make a new Mega Man, but they don't want to be in charge of it. I'll be in charge of it. And uh, now he's gone off to be, like, one of the leads on Street Fighter Six. So, it could be a while. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's already been a while. It's fine. It's we'll fine. survive. Yeah, we will, we will, we'll survive. Um, and then they announced supports, but the big thing that I wanted to like kind of point out, uh, Kagutsugami, uh, Path mm-hmm. of the Goddess. I saw this trailer and at first I was thinking like, oh, is this an Onimusha thing? And it's like, what are they doing? It's like, no, this is just like a new thing that they're doing. And... They actually showed a little bit of gameplay. They actually they showed its aesthetic. It's a pretty cool looking, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is this, like, merging of, like, this real world and spirit world sort of thing. And it's really cool. Yeah. They, they didn't give you much to go on in terms of what it actually is, but uh, it was drop dead gorgeous what they showed. They had a guy. Mm-hmm. They had a guy with a sword cutting a path through like a path of a thousand arms that rose up, like as he was cutting through it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was evocative, uh, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, you know, it's it is territory that they've trod on before. Like they've made some some samurai games in the past, but it has been a while, and it's cool seeing them take a, a fresh. <laughs> stab at it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, um, Devolver Digital. Yeah, Devolver. I didn't like anything. <laughs> Devolver Digital not only happened, but like five minutes before the show was going to go live, Grasshopper came in. It was like, "Hey, guess what? We're doing Shadows of the Damned Remastered." Okay, bye. And. uh they even announced their own direct where they didn't show jack shit except for that remaster. So interesting choice to just throw your show stopper into a different show. But uh, 
yeah, uh, I'm one of the few people who really enjoyed Shadows of the Damned, so it'll be fun to go back to it. Uh, I believe the line is, quote, taste my big boner. <laughs> yep, and he says it over and over again during the turret sequence when he's firing the biggest version of Johnson. You're right, I'm so glad this game's back. <laughs> Anyway, here's Wizard with a gun. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> Wizard Wall. I did think Karmazoo looked kind of interesting. Like, uh, it's a take on the a puzzle platformer, except uh, instead of manipulating the environment to get to go forward, you're using these various animal forms to help these non-playable characters, like, move on and get out of sticky situations and all that. So it's this interesting idea where your focus is helping others to like get forward yourself in a way. Kind of like a platformer lemmings. A little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, I played too much lemmings to like the sound of that. <laughs> I also played lemmings and that sounds miserable. <laughs> I you know it definitely it like it looked like I think it had a cool look to it. It could be very fun, but when you're like and you will be at the whims of this AI and trusting it not to kill itself, I'm like, oh, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. <laughs> There's also baby steps, which uh, Quap too. <laughs> basically, it's like a from the person who made Quap and getting over it. Here's a I, here's a concept for Quap where. You're, it's fully 3D, and you have to climb stuff while controlling every part of this person's body. It also has jokes that take way too fucking long. Yeah, that bit did take a while to go through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it went really long and protracted, and it was like, okay. The joke about these benefited games are just like the absurdity of the movement and it's like okay it looks absurd it's silly but now it's like there's full voice acting and it's i i mean i liked getting over it i did i couldn't beat it but at least like the joke there is part of like trying to navigate your way through this world so i don't know yeah i think for me it's always i've always just been like you know Oh, you made another one of these. Good for you. I don't want to play that. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the getting over it did pr result in one of the funniest Pecora streams, though. It's true. It's true. It's true. The small gifts anything can give us. <sighs> the wholesome direct. Okay. So the thing is, mm -hmm. the wholesome direct usually features games that I am inclined to enjoy, right? It goes into areas and concepts I find really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. But, and there are a couple of things here I wanted to, to discuss that, that caught my, caught my attention. But at this point, I find the wholesome, like, like air quotes, wholesome aesthetic and vibe genuinely incredibly off-putting. It feels like the evolution of Uwu to me. Yeah, I, I, I have always. I, know, I can't say I've. I can't say I've always had a problem with the wholesome direct, but just at a certain point, it's it. 
it, it has the same like miasma attached to it of these people about like hope punk or whatever right yeah and it's yeah. like now listen i will i'll i'll play a farming game i like those but like at a certain point it feels like i don't know there's this like diluting of the self going on i don't know see i had a completely different issue with wholesome direct like as Kyrie said, I will play a farming game, but there are too many fucking farming games. Like, they showed 78 to 80 games at this Wholesome Direct, and a good quarter, if not half of them, were farming games. Or, as they call them, life simulators. And, uh, it's just too much. It's like, it's weird. My life doesn't kind of resemble this at all. <laughs> <laughs> they call this a life simulator? I don't have cows. I'm more looking for a wife simulator, if you know what I mean. Yes, on on the subject, uh, I want to give a, a shout out. To, I mean, they didn't show much that hasn't already been seen, but uh, Story of Seasons, uh, A Wonderful Life is a remake of a classic GameCube Harvest Moon. And is, you know, like after you can see the last Story of Seasons, which was um, shoot. Uh, Pioneers of Olive Town, right? The right. Most recent, which is like is an original game. It's not one of their remakes, right? Um, and it is a little bit incorporating some of the lessons from Stardew Valley, but like the game was well underway, and like they they couldn't course correct that much. This is a remake that is making changes and can be fully informed by Stardew Valley, but still is a remake. And I I'm really curious to see like what this is their chance to show with full information on, on the other trends in the genre, what their idea for the future of this genre is. And I'm, I'm very curious about that. Mm -hmm. Apparently it doesn't include making the fucking archeologist girl dateable, which is insane. She's cool. You idiots. idiots. But <sighs> what can you do? Can all be winners. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that I that caught my attention was uh, Magical Delicacy, which is a cooking game. So you might guess like, oh, okay, of course, Six is, Six is interested in this. Um, it's like you're a witch that moves to town and you're cooking magical cuisine. Um, the thing that I was worried about from their presentation and what they've shown is it seems like cooking is just like, isn't a particularly involved, like, it it feels like it is just clicking things on a menu and a lot of their like gameplay focuses on like platforming and it's just like that's fine but like if you put cooking in a game i very quickly get annoyed if you give it short shrift <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially when it's like the title implies that you know you're doing witch magic to cook stuff mhm mm um you're putting stuff in a pot and hitting go it seems like and you know maybe maybe i haven't seen all there is to it but uh cook serve delicious was a, a real you know game changer if you'll forgive me for the term um and i i kind of can't i can't go back to you know like click three ingredients and hit go i can't do that anymore mm -hmm. mm. it's not what cooking is There were also two games from Wholesome Direct that caught my attention. One of them is a kind of uh, 
life sim as we've talked about, except it's uh, it's called Minikos Night Market, and you're basically going in through this very whimsical sort of exaggerated idea of uh, this uh, small Japanese island that is uh, going through tough times. You're basically dealing with uh, the residents, but you also interact with various uh, gods and unique creatures, like a gigantic uh, cat wearing a backpack. And uh, it just has this incredible look to it that immediately got my attention. See, I feel like I, it's it's I don't dislike how it looks generally speaking, right? But mm-hmm. it feels very. It feels like the quintessential wholesome direct game to me. This is a, like the, I've seen some of this before. This isn't its first showing. Yeah. Um. And like I mean, I feel like you can sum like, you can sum up my feelings, and I can say I don't trust any game who in their one sentence blurb includes the claim the the word whimsical. If you do that, I'm like I don't fucking trust you. You you um, don't know what I find whimsical. <laughs> well, and also like I I whimsy is a thing you find and sometimes you pursue but you don't like if it's it's the same vibe as someone saying they're gonna be random it's like no you can get this and it can be a thing you enjoy when you set out with the goal of being random or being whimsical then you're misguided from the jump in my mind Mm -hmm. like whimsical whimsical is like it is a temporary state of being like Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like it's sometimes I feel like also with these like wholesome direct games, it's like, oh, this is like, I I, I just feel like, how do I put this? I know for a fact that it's like, oh, it's just going to be all woo and soft the whole time. And it's like, OK, I like that sometimes, but not like for an entire game experience. You know what I mean? It like, feels like going to a comedy club, right? It's like, I like jokes. I like it when people tell good jokes. I'm not going to go to the joke place and buy a ticket to see jokes. If you have heartwarming and cute stuff, that's great. I'm not going to buy a ticket to the heartwarming cute show. Yeah, like, it should just be, like, an a element that is sprinkled through that, like, is used as, like, almost like a spice or as, like, a, a mm-hmm. like you know, foil to what is going on. Right. But I think, I think it's just, yeah, like I, I'm glad that there is a direct for like these indie games and like getting these games shown off. Like I'm glad for that, but also it's, it's just not the vibe, you know, I like, it feels like, uh, like, uh, the, you know, equal and opposite reaction to like, triple a games doubling down on huge open worlds and visceral combat and dark stories and just like i don't like those i don't like its reaction it's mm. counter push so i yeah i i hope mineko's night market is good the way they are marketing it makes me nervous for it yeah i guess that's fair Highland Song, however, is very different from most of the stuff they showed at Wholesome Games. It's uh, the latest game from Inkle, and uh, it's their first platformer of sorts. It's basically a musical platformer where you're trying to cross the Scottish Highlands, 
And uh, it has a bit of strategy to it even, where you're trying to get to a specific destination in time, um, I believe, to visit a relative. And uh, you can completely fail the game and miss the relative, sort of like how in 80 days you can fail to travel the world in 80 days or just you get sucked into something else entirely. But uh, this one has you stopping at various points, it, figuring out what risks you want to take. Like, do I go over this more traveled road? And uh, it takes a bit longer to... It, it takes a bit longer, but it's safer. Or do I take the risky route and uh, hope I'm okay? Yeah, it seemed like a pretty a pretty cool approach. And it's an interesting, like... I feel like since 80 days, and, and maybe... Yeah, yeah, since 80 days, I would say, Inkle has really tried to push themselves to take their, their expertise and, and push it into, like, gameplay systems that aren't as much their wheelhouse, right? As And when I say, like, I, I more I mean, like, not like necessarily they're doing a bad job at it, but they're trying to push themselves to do things they wouldn't, to take their, their expertise and put it in a context that is new and challenging. Um, and this seems like just another clever use of that. Mm-hmm. It's also an interesting contextualization of like rhythm game mechanics in something other than just like most most of the time, and it's a little bit of the case here. Most of the time with rhythm games, it's like it's the pure execution challenge of being able to like hit the notes of the song, and here it's like it's used to help progress like a story or a you know a platforming adventure and it's like that's an interesting take on how you would do this sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i also like that they're doing the 80 days thing of like you know even if you make it right which you might not on your first playthrough there's still a bunch of like different routes that are going to have different outcomes and they highly encourage you know repeat playthroughs which narrative games often do not mm-hmm yeah, it, it kind of remembers the routes you've taken, so, like, when you go back to it, you can try something else. Oh, it's a strand game. Got it. <laughs> Is that what that means? I guess. I don't know. Ask Kojima. <laughs> I'm gonna get back, because it's gonna be like, I, I got a bunch of, you know, someone built a bridge here, and I'm like, oh, great. Let me give them some likes. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to go see my grandma slightly faster. <laughs> Do you like me using the sarcastic tone for a gameplay system I like? I unabashedly love. <laughs> I love giving people likes for their bridges. It's great. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to point to like <laughs> the whole delivery person obsessed with likes becoming a criminal situation instead. No, I just I I like fucking whatever his name is. The guy, the actor, man. <laughs> like standing there as I mash the touchpad going this one's for you <laughs> <laughs> Norman Reedus thank you yes right with Norman Reedus of course how could I forget uh, next up we had the future games show which is a show without an identity yeah mm-hmm. so like F- future owns PC gamer uh, who also had their own show the-, the next day and that's the one that gets the most attention so a lot of the future game show is just like, why does this exist? Is it just overflow from the main share you're going to do the following day? Or what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
That's probably right. Uh, however, I did care about an equal number of games between the two. One each. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Star Trucker. It's space trucking as a game. Finally, not fucking implying space trucker shit in StarCraft. Not fucking being like, oh, I guess you could ship things in Freelancer, but really you should be out there hunting pirates. No, fuck you. I got some music on. I got a. I got an 18 vernier, and I'm hitting the space highway. <laughs> that seems all right. <laughs> seems all right. I hope they don't lean in. They were leaning pretty hard into the like, you know, like Southern trucker culture in the trailer and that's fine. It is dangerous to take that too far. I hope they do not. But otherwise, listen, if they offer me the option to put a Confederate flag on my space truck, I might be out. Yeah. Uh, did you play? They should let you wear the shirt with the trans flag on it. saying I'm stepdad who stepped up. (laughs) There we go. Uh, did you happen to play Rebel Galaxy or Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, by the way, Six? I played both, yes. Okay, because that seemed like it was shooting also for a space trucker kind of thing. It's not. I think it is going for that aesthetic. Um, you are distinctly not a trucker. Um, you are either commanding a fighter in Outlaw or a warship in regular Rogue Galaxy. I will also say for anyone out there wondering, Rogue Galaxy Outlaw is a bad game. Oof. It is like it. Imagine a dogfighting space sim, but then they give you a button that automates chasing people. I'm like, that's what the game is. Oh, okay. And so it just becomes a gear check. Every fight is just are your weapons like purple rarity level 17? If not, you're going to die. It's a bad game. Rogue Galaxy, that's a good game. Okay. Well, at least one of them, it turned out okay. If I if I go to like merge on the space highway and I get bashed off the road because I've only got a level five trucker hat in space trucker, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Please don't make six cry. Don't 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 push me. I will sob all over this keyboard. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should have put those t- plus ten defense truck nuts on your rear view mirror. That's- Damn it. <laughs> uh. These truck nuts have three balls because they're epic. <laughs> oh, from the same show, I did enjoy what I saw of Station to Station. Um, it's also something that got a little bit of time during the Wholesome Direct, but uh, I don't know if either of y'all have played Dorf Romantic. Nope. It's basically... Dorf Romantic is a game about uh, placing environment title tiles to like make an environment around you. And uh, it has a scoring situation where, or and objectives where you have to place tiles with the same sort of, uh, with this, with the forest or tree or a river to like collect points and basically build a more complex environment while you keep getting tiles. It's, it's pretty relaxing, but there is some challenge to it. Station to Station is also doing something similar, but for trains and, uh, I love trains. <laughs> kind of looks like a more fleshed out, complicated mini metro. Is that fair? Um, I think so. Like, uh, I think games take a little bit longer to resolve than mini metro, just because that one's very much about uh, 
It's a very run-based, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this one, you're basically linking different uh, train stations together. And uh, just like Dorf Romantic, if you fit, if you fulfill certain requirements about the type of uh, randomized uh, track piece or environment around it, like, uh, it does this really fantastic sort of dazzling bloom bloom animation with flowers and stuff as you succeed. And the last four words of its description are the magic of trains. So Jen was in. (laughs) Uh, Public transportation rocks. I like trains as well. Buses are pretty cool. Trains are good. Subways are good. You know what's bad? Cars. Fuck Fuck cars. (laughs) Yep. It'd be great if I didn't need one to have a job and get by. But uh, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And that brings us to the future gaming, the future games shows Big Brother, the PC gaming show, our last stop on this whirlwind tour. Um, Citizen Sleeper 2. I know I should play Citizen Sleeper. I now know I should also play Citizen Sleeper 2. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I haven't finished the first Citizen. I haven't finished the first Citizen Sleeper, but uh, it is a fantastic game. It tells its story so effectively, and uh, if you enjoy miserable sci-fi futures with a bit of uh, with a glimmer of a future in front of it, then it, it's something that uh, it does it very well. Uh uh, that was it for me for the PC game <laughs> show. What else did people like? Um, I was into. Uh, I'm interested in Dread Pilots, uh, the new clay game. Um, I didn't really gel with Grifflands, their last one. Um, it was like a, it was a run-based roguelike where you're basically playing cards to trade and playing cards to fight, and uh, it was trying to do a bit too much at once. Meanwhile, this one's like a top-down shooter with an element of progression to it, and uh, I don't know, it looks really nice, and I'm usually down for whatever Clay is trying up next, just because they make such beautiful 2D games. I think the thing that scared me too much about this is it gave me some real Galaxy vibes, mm-hmm. um, and Galaxy is a game that, one, I, th- I like the aesthetic of Galaxy more than I like of, of Dread Pilots. And, but my biggest takeaway from Galaxy is what a bummer it is they decided to make the game a roguelike, um, to to rely on like random generation instead of like crafted stuff, um, and I'm very worried given the things Clay has made that we're gonna run into a similar situation where I end up being like, this game is kind of cool, boy I wish they would just build things instead of telling their their algorithm to build it. Yeah, it is, like, frustrating that we we have, like, a lot of games have got away from the idea of, like, making an authored, like, experience. You know, like, I understand why you would let the, like, let a program build something, but, like, also I'd much rather play a much more focused thing that I play for a couple hours rather than something I'm meant to play forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of a more focused game with a definitive beginning and end, like uh, Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew looks cool as hell. Um, 
It's the latest from Mimi B Games, uh, the folks who were um, responsible for Shadow Tactics, and then uh, the sequel to the long-running Desperado series. Um, and uh, it basically takes the same sort of elements of uh, ARPG stealth you would see in Desperados or Commando, like a very old classic style that uh, not a lot of people did back then and not a lot of people are doing now. But it's ad it's injecting so much flavor and color into it by setting it in a fantasy version of the Caribbean that uh, it's a pirate game. It just you know it's like it's pirate tactics. <laughs> yeah, it's pirate stealth basically, and uh, it looks delightful. Yeah, I think there was real diminishing returns for me on that on the, their work basically, where I was like, I played Shadow Tactics and I was like, this is really cool, and I played the uh, Desperados three was it yeah yeah and i was like yeah, this is all right and i'm like okay another one of these i mean i haven't beaten any of these yet and i usually don't stop because it's like i, I stop because i get tired because i'm like i like what these games are doing a lot the pace at which they demand you play and make progress is kind of grueling to me mm -hmm. and i understand why it's like that but it does make me a little off-put for the possibility of playing another. Right. That's fair. I also highlighted Dune Awakening just because the things that they're saying about it seem so outlandish that uh, I'm not sure they can actually pull it off, but it's neat to see them shooting for the stars. <laughs> like, uh, their whole premise for the game is it's like a... It's basically an MMO version of Dune where you gets sent to Arrakis, and uh, you have to do what you can to not only survive, but thrive and eventually, like, build your own empire of sorts. But uh, you're expected to do that alongside other players, so there's an element of subterfuge, but also just, like, finding your people and gathering together and getting stuff done. But uh, everything that they talked about with still suits and the ornithopters and all that... Uh, I don't know. It had an element of, and you could do literally anything in this game that was like, you oh. You see that sand dune? You can climb it. <laughs> yeah. Getting into big worm fights and all that. But, uh. I don't know. I, to me, like, I, first of all, I don't particularly like Dune. Um, I have some affection for the, for the David Lynch movie just because it's such a mess. Um, but not a big fan of the book and, and the story and the setting. Um, but I, I like the, the stuff they were saying about their MMO design just was giving me like flashes of Eve online. I'm like, when you build your thing where it's like, oh, and, and you know, there's space for people to control and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I know how this goes. What happens is one group of a ton of players that are spending their entire lives playing this game, run everything. And everyone else gets to do the most boring parts of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. Also, I thought we, is almost novel that they're doing a new MMO. That, but that's like a tie-in to like they're very much tying it into like the aesthetic of the recent movies. So it's practically a movie tie-in game, but it's also an MMO, and it's it's they they don't do this as often anymore <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, in fact, Funcom has had issues with MMOs in the past. Like, uh, the Secret World has gone through many different variations as it continues to try and survive, but uh, they kind of swung and whiffed 
with that one. And uh, I really hope for their sake that this one does better. Yeah, yeah. I guess anything's possible. The last point I wanted to hit is kind of a down note to end it on, but it is important to mention that uh, with Dragon's Dogma 2, we did have some suspicion about uh, AI, like the generative stuff getting in there. With the PC Gamer Show, they made it explicit that AI is entering this field in the the ugliest ways possible. <laughs> like, uh, the whole... I don't know how much y'all saw of the actual show surrounding these announcements, but uh, the whole bit was Day9, who has hosted these for forever, fired... The fiction is he fired everyone else involved and basically made a AI version of the host that he can bounce ideas off. And most of it is a joke about how, haha, this AI stuff is so inauthentic. But then they authentically pitched a... AI Dungeons and Dragons style tabletop role playing thing called Hidden Door, and the uh, that, the two to three minute trailer, maybe it was five minute, was the most smoke and mirrors bullshit I have ever seen. Like, uh, it's just this person explaining things like, "Oh, have you ever wanted to to role play as the mayor of a town? Now you can with our system," and it's like. I can do that with my friends and my imagination. I do not need this thieving bullshit to actually handle it. Like, they they insist that they're pulling the, it all from, like, examples they have written themselves, but um, I don't necessarily buy it, especially since so much of what they showed seemed like it was a proof of concept and not uh, fully fleshed out. But, uh, yeah, it was just a bummer to see this stuff get front and center treatment uh, during a big show like this. Yeah. I it's it's frustrating to see them give this much attention to some some AI bullshit while they're pretending to make like to pretending to to like think AI is bullshit themselves. They're like, "Oh, you know, they're as you say they're framing device for the show." And then they're like, "Oh, but here we have this great AI project." Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I mean, even if, I mean, like, okay, what, what, even if the technology the, worked, right? Uh, well, and it can work, right? You know how you make it work is you steal things, right? Like, even mm -hmm. if they, they, if they are telling the truth and it is only pulling from their stuff, it will become, it will be clearly deeply limited unless they are working their employees to death to nonstop write new fiction to feed from, um, or it's going to steal from, from people, and at which point, one, it is stealing from people, two, you're going to get an AI Dungeon 2 situation. Have you ever played AI Dungeon 2 back when that was hot for, you know, a month or two? I heard things about how it continuously devolved into some really unfortunate bullshit. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like even the Wayne Radio TV streams of those games, like years ago... Like, he, you had to be really careful for it to not, like, swerve super fucking hard. Exactly. That's, I mean, and, and that's, you know, like, 
again, even if they're drawing from their safe pool of things they've made, it is hard to keep, like, the AI doesn't understand genre. It's not going to, like, suddenly change the story in ways that don't make sense and are perhaps, like, shitty. When you're drawing from people, like AI Dungeon 2 does, you can't be sure that it won't suddenly turn into a story about being incredibly racist or turn your story into a pornography. It just, like... I mean, you know, listen, in, any, I would hope anyone listening to this is, is on the same page with us that know that the current, like, if you just say AI, that mm. is a huge term that refers to a lot of things. And I think there's some of that technology that is very cool and very promising. The way the, 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 way the term has been narrowed over the last couple of years to may mean like algorithmic plagiarism is a load of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worst thing is the people hawking this bullshit have successfully taken the term AI and applied it to a thing that is not AI at all. Like, the specific sort of uh, text generation engine they're using for these things, or like the generative engines they're using for art. Like, that's not actual artificial intelligence. That's just... Uh, it, it's Large language models are not... Yeah, they're not AI. They are like... What if you, but you know, it's just like weighted dice rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They ruined a very useful term. <laughs> yeah. And it's... I hope it'll get choked out at least to some degree. I mean, like there, there have already been some, some laws passed. I believe there's some stuff going through in the EU about it being plagiarism to use these, which is like really encouraging. Hope I we think... go in that direction. I believe the U.S. either, like, I think either a, the Supreme Court or a district court ruled that, like, you cannot copyright something that was generated, like, exclusively by, like, a chat GPT AI thing. Um, or at least, like, that's how copyright law landed, was, like, you cannot copyright that sort of thing. Yeah, I think specifically it was... I think the current loophole around that is uh, you can't copyright something that was wholly created with the machine. If you modify it somewhat to fit your ends, that can be seen as uh, something that isn't uh, something that can be copyrighted. But uh, if you type into the prompt fewer fingers, suddenly it's copyright applicable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, if you. I, I know I'm being a pain in the ass. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sidebar, so, keep that writer's strike up. <laughs> please keep that writer's strike up. Keep it up. Um, We're here for you guys. <laughs> I I think like it is a downer note to end on, but it is kind of like, you know, I, I am, at least when looking at upcoming things, I think when it comes to individual works, we all take our turn. But when looking at the future, I am usually the pessimist of our crew, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it isn't just my usual pessimism to say that I think these shows were, like, I feel fine, but kind of discouraging about what we've got in front of us. Yeah, they're they're just really what, like, of the games that were announced, I am, like, the only one I'm really, like, have any sort of like passion or interest in at this point is like path of the goddess right and that's just because like oh here's this like new thing and we have the indie stuff right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like that's always going to be new and interesting 
and but it's like when it comes to these like major publishers or whatever because like these triple a arms can like put out some like really interesting things it's like i don't know it's it's hard to like get excited for a lot of these projects in which it's like oh yeah he has another open world action game in which you climb a tower to make points show up on your map or whatever and i don't want to sell indie short there it's easy it's like you know it's easy to hear that and be like oh you know fucking triple a looks bad i mean indies whatever but when we say indies yeah, yeah. whatever i think you know what we mean is like one all three of us rely on indies for usually the most interesting experiences of the year that mm-hmm. is that is the current state of affairs is that indies make the best games uh-huh. um, and then also i think it's really hard like one of the genuine advantages that triple a games have and probably will always have is that they are way better because of how much money they have at showing you what is good about their game and explaining it. Indies, it is so hard to know until you get your hands on something, which is why it is hard for these things. Festivals can be good at showing you something to pay attention to, but even then, until you get your hands on it, very often you just can't tell, right? Indies, so often our favorite games of the year kind of come out of nowhere for us, and that's a bummer and a problem that I would love to see addressed, but it is also, like Indies being the best, kind of just the current state of affairs. There is... yeah something resembling a bit of an answer i believe currently steam next uh, like a demo fest is going on right now mm-hmm. steam next fest yeah yes where like, they just give you hundreds and hundreds of demos like you you just find a genre that interests you you select it you download a demo and see where it takes you um i think it's much more effective than the summer games fest method where we have like so many different unique shows, some of which have show so many games that I could not even begin to cover it. Like, uh, the we didn't even talk about Guerrilla Co- Collective because that thing was three and a half hours long. And uh, after everything else, I was like, I can't do this one too. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I think that was one thing that uh, as much as people hate E3, I feel like that was one big advantage E3 had over these specific uh, shows within the Summer Game Fest where you you had the big players, but you also had smaller teams, double A's, sometimes even indies because the publishers got them in. And uh, you just had a lot of impressions from the show floor and like writers you trust being like, oh yeah, I played a bit of this and it was great. Um you basically saw almost none of that uh, for this slew of shows, and uh, well, it's, because, it's a shame. It's because, like, yeah, ever since E3 has now, like, just gone, it's basically all digital events now. And there is something to be, like, having a show floor that, you know, either one that you can go to or be, you know, which isn't realistic for everybody, obviously, because, like, a small... Like you, you are serving a slice of a sliver of an audience out of like a show floor, right? Like you need like people out there to extol the values of that sort of thing. But I think about like I don't know, Jen. We went to Magfest earlier this year, and there's like a whole like slew of indie games there, and people showing off their wares, and that's like a great environment to yeah. like try something new and see what's either out out or coming out, and it's like. 
I don't know, an answer to that, like, that's why I like the Steam Next Fest, because it's like, oh, you could just try shit. Yeah, like at MAGFest, I even bought an indie game, and the creator of the game uh, set up the Steam um, set up the Steam key and packed it all in together in a case for me. And I was like, oh, that's really neat. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that Steam Next Fest, even if you're not able to, like, see the creators face-to-face and ask them questions. Like, you can still see them demoing it on live shows and also just download it to try it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's us on on the not E3 that was and will and continues forever and ever. E3 may die, but just, they're still going to just sit us down and make us watch a bunch of trailers. We'll yeah. see Makers, how much... I mean, offer it and we'll see. You know, <laughs> yeah. We'll see how long this particular model lasts, though, because I think people started to cotton on to the fact this year that especially the main stage show, it's just the Game Awards without the awards part, like... It's pretty empty. It's pretty vapid. It's mm-hmm. it's not great. Lies of piss. And with that, <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sixdetmar s i x d e t t m a r. You can expect that kind of quality of tweet over there. Uh, Kyrie, what about you? You find me on Twitter, Kyrie a page on twitter.com. That's where, I don't know, I mostly retweet stuff at this point. I say some things. I I probably say too many things on my Twitter, at JBU3, and uh, I occasionally post on co-host at uh, Jen-and-Aster. You can find us on, you know, ScanlineMedia.com, Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. You know the drill. Indeed. But until next time, folks, peace out. See ya. Later.